As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. So in today's bonus episode, we're going to be talking about space tow trucks or like, you know, a triple A service for satellites. Ooh, okay. Well, this is kind of a new frontier for us, Michael. I I see what you did there. (laughs) Well, it's not every day we have somebody building space robots on the show. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, And this was a whole new world of an interview for me as well. So we see the the SpaceX launches, right? And we know that the government and private companies are regularly putting satellites in space. But what happens when something goes wrong with these satellites? Well, right now, they're quickly becoming the tech debt of space. Once they die, they die. We just let them sit out there. It's going to be a problem eventually. Yeah, absolutely. And so Rogue Space is who we'll be talking about this week. And, and that's what they do. So I, I spoke with their CEO, Jeremy Grimmett, and they're trying to help solve this 
ever-impending problem. So without further ado, let's roll that intro. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. So last week, I sat down with Jeremy Grimmett, who is the CEO of Rogue Space. And I didn't really know what to expect from the interview other than, I don't know, we're going to be talking about building product for space. My name is Jeremy Grimmett, and I'm the CEO of Rogue Space Systems. And uh, we build space robots. Uh, don't know how how much easier I could possibly make that. If you're a Star Trek fan, you we're building Exocomps. If you're a Star Wars fan, we're building uh, R2-D2s and BB units and things like that. Okay, I'm a bit of a Star Wars geek myself, but as a kid, I never imagined that we would be building R2-D2-like robots that could fix and repair machinery in my lifetime. I know, it's pretty rad, actually. So now we're, we're obviously nowhere near the point where our bots are picking up distress signals from Obi-Wan Kenobi or proactively putting out fires on the Millennium Falcon, but who knows? I mean, maybe someday soon. So... Backing up a minute, I, I asked Jeremy what capabilities those robots are looking to have in space today. It's amazing what the customer and the market actually drives, because there's stuff that we hadn't really thought of that the you know customers are coming back to us and like, hey, could you could you do this with it? Yeah, actually, we can. You know, so uh, inspection, observation, assembly, robotic assembly. Watching, so we just announced uh, our our letter of intent with an MOU coming with Orbital Assembly Corporation, and they're putting a gravity ring in orbit uh, starting 2023. And we are providing our orbots to do the observation of that construction, and then we're going to be able to help do material analysis and, and check the structure and make sure things look okay check micrometeoroid damage on satellites, uh, dispatch to try and provide like a helping hand or try and uh, determine what a physical malfunction is. You know, sometimes, believe it or not, there are zombie satellites that are sitting out there. They're, they're, they're actually called zombies and uh, they're alive, but they're not dead and you can't control them. Why is that? Sometimes a physical presence and a physical approach that we have from very good authority would be incredibly valuable. We're doing a transport where we're taking and extending the capability of low earth orbit rockets and taking that capability and then expanding that into geo and even uh, lunar. So the, the potential of our orbital robots is, is pretty pretty vast. Some of us kind of refer to ourselves uh, like a AAA for space. So tow trucks in space, eh? That is pretty fascinating. Yeah. So here's a bit more about the state of these tow trucks from a WUSA 9 story in 2018. Today, if your satellite needed fixing and you call NASA, it would take probably about four years. And that's just to send one service robot. Or better get on orbit, right? Get a tow truck, right? Have a satellite already up there, a couple servicers up there in different orbits. And so you just call up, rather than launching the servicer, it's there and you move it from here to there and say, hey, here's what I need fixed. You might have to launch a new tool up, the robot can grab that tool and fix it, but 
they're in space, it'd be even better because they don't have to wait on the launch. And that would lower costs to commercial interests, their customers, and taxpayers. Pretty cool if you ask me. So that's basically what Rogue Space is focused on today, building out a robot workforce that can service satellites from both commercial and government entities. But didn't he mention orbital assembly, something about building an artificial gravity space station? Yeah, so this one's really wild. They're actually building a low-orbit hotel in space, and the hotel is being completely built by robots in space. Spaceports aren't the only locations working to make space tourism a reality. Once you get up there, where exactly would you stay? Thomas Hoppe found a space hotel that is set to open very soon. Designing the world's first space hotel. It'll have gravity, full working kitchens, bars, and more. The senior design architect says eventually going to space will be just like going on a cruise. Okay, I am not sure that I'm ready for that. I know, I know. And here I thought taking the kids on a family vacation was a lot of work. Imagine taking them up to space. We're probably going to be doing that soon enough, I guess. Yeah, so uh, back to Jeremy. I, I wanted to better understand who their customers were and I don't know, what types of needs they had today. There are satellite operators, both uh, within defense as well as government. That is, you know, government, it's not to say they are a customer. I'm just giving you examples. Uh, so like NOAA, right? They have satellites uh, for weather observation. NASA has satellites. I mean, um, these different government agencies um, that that maintain uh, space assets would be uh, customers. And then, of course, we do have a few commercial customers that we have, uh, you know, some signatures with and, and things like that. And the reason we can't really disclose a lot of this is because of the sensitive nature of the asset or no one wants to have things poorly reflected on themselves, right? And satellite breakdowns or issues is not something, you know, you want broadcast to the world necessarily. Now it gets out, and but it's sure not going to come from us, you know. So with all that being said, there's, you know, obviously, you know, uh, Space Force um, and... Um, and DOD, these are all interested groups that we're, we're very proud to be working with to develop capabilities that, uh, that they need in, in an incredibly competitive landscape. So as much as we love to you know, hold hands and sing Kumbaya in space, it's, it's a contested domain. Uh, from a defense perspective. Geez, okay. So a mix of commercial and government contracts. Sounds like a Space Force and Department of Defense, probably the major focuses here. Yeah, Jeremy actually had to stop the interview at one point when an officer from Space Force called him. All right, thanks, man. Bye-bye. Yeah, when when officers in the Space Force call you, you answer, you answer fucking phone. So, <laughs> Sorry. That is so good. <laughs> right. So I wanted to know how he got into the space sector, you know, in the beginning. It started off as a research paper at school. There was an excerpt. Uh, it was on international cooperation in space, which I'm a huge believer in, huge advocate for. Uh, but I'm admittedly a, a hawk uh, when it comes to space. But it started off as a research paper. And after a, 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 a class or two, I went to the MIT Space Conference, sat there all day, listened to everything that was said, talked to several VCs, and came away with one thing. And that one thing was build a team. It's not necessarily about you. It's about your vision 
and how do you build the team or how you built the team in order to execute that vision? Because that's really what it's about. So that's how it happened. And I sat there for eight hours. I took copious notes. I talked to everybody that I could there. And I picked up the phone, called my existing partner from my, my company that I, I just finished off with, divested myself, super happy about that, that's, that closed that chapter. But I called up my, my partner at the time and I said, I'm done. I'm going to space. I'm, I'm not joking. I, it, was, I, it was on my way home. I picked up, the, I walked out the door, got in my car picked up the phone, called him up. I was like, Ryan, I love you, but I'm done. I'm starting a space company. That was it. It was off to the races. And before you know it, we're working with Space Force and we're on the phone with NASA and it's, it's incredible. It's been a, it's been, it's happened very quickly. Just like that, right? The inspiration just hit him hard after that conference, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And and working in robotics and aerospace, it, it wasn't completely foreign to them. He, he had some previous experience. Initially, I was in the military, and I was a uh, missile defense system person. Um, I, I worked on Patriot, Thad, uh, uh, radar, missile guidance, stuff like that, um, across several missile systems, actually. And um, I got into IT after the military because that's what was hot. And whenever you have kids and you got a family to support, mm-hmm. as much as I would have loved to gone into space, aerospace, yeah, you got to take care of your family. You do what you got to do. Yeah. You know, and uh, IT was low hanging fruit, good money. And I was able to finally circle back, uh, you know, after some success in my career and come back to something that I've loved since I was a kid. You know, I've always wanted to work in space or, you know, in aerospace. I've always been a fan, but now it's my career, you know, and I I have a lot of people I can, I can thank to uh, help me get there because it's, it's not me. It's, it's the team. It's, uh, it's my wife supporting me to get this stuff done. It's it's my family backing me up. It's yeah. you know the look at my kid, you know, look for my kids saying, "What is it that you do?" <laughs> it's like, damn it, you know, <laughs> like we're building space robots. <laughs> you know, at, it, at least it sounds cool. You know, yeah, it sounds it sounds good. It sounds good. It's like, it could be worse. It could be yeah, worse. I mean, I, I have to correct. I have to correct the kids every now and then. It's like, uh, it's like, uh, well, you work for NASA, and I'm like, no, 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 I don't work for NASA. I work with NASA. Okay, I work with different agencies. I don't work right. for them. Right. It's like, right. oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> it would be cooler if you like, were. We still don't understand exactly what you do, Dad. It's like, that's cool. I get Maybe it. Maybe one. All right. Maybe, Maybe one. one day, you know. But, uh, yeah, that's that's how it happened. I mean, it started off as a research paper, got in here, uh, and just immediately started building a team. Nice. Uh, and executing. Uh, you know, build team, formulate plan, execute. Okay, let's take a quick pause here, and we'll be right back after a quick break.
So before the break, we heard about Rogue Space's CEO, Jeremy Grimmett, and how he got into aerodynamics and eventually went on to found Rogue Space. And now that they're a company, how did they go about finding the first client or project, right? It's not like you can just fire up a Heroku instance and start shipping product. So we're in Laconia, New Hampshire, and uh, my co-founder and I, uh, one, of, one of my co-founders, uh, my first co-founder, <laughs> Mike Pika, uh, he and I were uh, an advisory board together. And uh, I sat down across the, space, uh, the table from him and was like, so uh, want to start a space company? <laughs> and he was, I was like, you get to build cool stuff. And he's like, all right, sounds good. What do we do? I was like, well, I don't know, but I found these white papers and I ordered these books off of Amazon and well, let's just go to work. And before you knew it, about a year and some change later, we had a design and we the, the we had everything kind of laid out. We had established partners. We, we had had these things. Um, we had built our network and... That was it. We were on the phone with NASA doing a presentation to a team of NASA scientists. Not, uh, I mean, it's not like one guy. You know, we're not talking one guy. We're talking like seven, eight PhD NASA scientists. You know, the guys with the slide ruler hoster and, you know, the pocket protector. I mean, we're talking like legit, you know, NASA scientists and we're newcomers to space and it's, it's pretty intimidating, but they, we rocked it out and they gave us the blessing and it was amazing. And, um, I, I would say just to, you know, kind of backtrack a little bit, the, the first pro the first thing that we did, the very first thing we had to do is build a team. And I can't make it any simpler than that. It's all about the team and the team includes not just the people that you bring into it, the engineers, the technologists and stuff, but it's it's also the partners that you make and the ecosystem that you start to build. Because one of our goals here at Rogue is to build a community. Uh, we're really not that interested in just simply being uh, a transactional type of business or, or commerce. We're trying to build a community of like-minded people to, to actually execute on a grander vision. And, and we think we're doing that the, based on the feedback and, and the guidance and, and the input that we get from our investors it's, uh, and, and, and our advisors, uh, which is also part of your team. It's, it's incredible. We're, it's a lot of fun. So it's obvious that the team is incredibly important to him. He's mentioned that over and over already. Yeah, absolutely. And I can understand why. It takes so many disciplines to pull this all together. It's not just engineers. I think there's a big misconception for a lot of people uh, when it comes to space companies. And they're just all engineers. That is, that is not true at all. Okay. We need philosophers. Okay. We need human resources. We need accountants. We need uh, contract specialists. Don't even get me started on the number of attorneys we have. Okay, I'm not. I'm not even. I'm not even joking. One, two, three, four. We have four for sure, and I think there's another one of those guys hanging out there. I just can't think of his name. Okay, 
No joke. Okay. With a dedicated call once a week, just on legal. Okay. So it's a really expensive phone call every week. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, So we need legal, we need human resources. We need, I'm not, I'm not even joking. We need janitors. But we also need engineers. We need uh, mathematicians. We need physicists. We need scientists. We need office administrators. We need executive assistants. We need interns. We need we, we need plumbers. We need welders. We need machinists. We need space. Needs so much. There's nothing. There's not a single job in space that pretty much anyone can get in that that doesn't exist in some normal company i think that's when and of course you know we need programmers we need coders we need software engineers we need roboticists we we need all of these things and it really kind of hurts my heart a little bit that people don't realize how accessible a career in space is. And if that's something that you love, if it's something that drives you, if it's something that you want to be part of, this is a huge community and it's 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 so amazing to be part of it. It's one of the most cooperative, most welcoming, genuine communities that you can possibly be part of. So we need everybody. So there's even a place for us in this universe. Yeah, talk show hosts, apparently. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking product managers, but yeah, talk show hosts, that too, you know. All right. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about their first product launch. Okay, so space companies, they need everyone that a normal company would have, plus even more right yeah philosophers too i guess but um so one thing that is completely unlike earthbound companies is the product launch so has rogue space launched a tow truck into orbit yet (laughs) no not quite yet they're getting there they're getting there i asked jeremy about what it'll be like for him i'm gonna have to answer that question next year because that is when our first one is supposed to be going up we're tentatively scheduled for next year we're wait, waiting on a little bit of paperwork to come in. Uh, knock on wood should be any any day now for us to kick off that program. I I think about it all the time. I think about what that's going to be like. I think about you know sitting out in you know at the launch site and it's not far away. It, we're just we're about a year or so away, and it's. Uh, I, I'm sitting here just I, I'm just thinking about it. I start getting a little bit emotional because it's you're talking about thousands upon thousands of man hours worth of work. And this team, again, the team, they've just put it. They're the ones executing and making this happen. And um, I, I really want it for them. I want it for you know my family. I want it for for this team because they deserve it. And we want, I want, um, I want these guys to have their hardware, their software operating uh, on mission. You know, that's there. There's a lot of people that are involved with this business. There's a lot of people that work for Rogue. 
uh, that are full time on equity. You know, they're not even taking salaries. They're just working full time on equity. Some of them are taking deferred. Some of them take it because they see the grander vision. They see the, the community. They want to be a part of what we're driving towards. And um, next year is going to be a special moment for, for everybody. It's going to be a great day for New Hampshire. It's going to be a great day for Rogue. It's going to be a great day for the team across the board. Because uh, about 45 minutes after our little guy gets kicked out, it's going to pop on and you get that heartbeat and it's like, okay, let's start commissioning. And, um, you know, next year I, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm planning on taking my dad out there. So he's, uh, 84, 85. Yeah. That's, that's going to be interesting. Okay, yeah, that would definitely be a much different experience than pushing up the Heroku for the first time. Yes, yes, indeed. So after the initial launch, I was curious where Jeremy sees Rogue Space focusing long-term. It's an excellent question, and it ties directly into what I had envisioned for Rogue from the very, very beginning, from day one. I was not interested in a business uh, or building something that was a three, five, seven year type of play. I was looking for 10, 20, 50, 100. That's what I wanted. I wanted something. I want, I want, I wanted this to be my last job. This is it. I, I this is it. This is my last job. Okay. And in order to do that, you have to have this pretty grand vision. You have to start and stay focused on this one little stepping stone, but every little teeny tiny step, it matters. And I tell this to the team every single day, upwards of 30 some people now, it's every little bit matters. Every stroke on the keyboard Every document you push out, every text you send, every calculation you make, every line of code, every colon, every comma, it all counts. Everything counts because that's how you build. And once you instill that into the culture and into the, the, the community, you start to get people driving toward this grand vision. And our grand vision is lunar next year. Year after that, geo. Year after that, maybe a little sooner, we're in lunar, you know, cislunar. After that, we're interplanetary. We want to do some pretty amazing things. We want outposts. We want to help with construction. We want interplanetary transport. We're, we're getting, we're taking a foundational technology like our Lara Orbot, which is inspection and observation. And we're building on that technology. We're adding capability and we're just dropping the same exact tech into different form factors and we're scaling it. And the, the, the beautiful thing about this is that we're taking this these artificial intelligence algorithms and we're taking this code and we're we're bringing it to levels that not even NASA is using right now. 
we are on the absolute outer edge of space autonomous vehicles. I mean, we're, you can't get further out on the edge than we are. Oh, wow. Okay. That definitely supersedes any of my ambitions in the next 10 years. <laughs> Mine too. Mine too. I, I love the vision though. And I love how he's building something so big by focusing even on the smallest detail to ensure him and his team get there. Every keystroke matters, as he says. I wonder if that's some of his army training coming out. I wouldn't be surprised, right? So because Jeremy was so gracious with his time, I wanted to give him some time at the end here for three big asks from rocket ship listeners today so here they are i would say uh three things really number one we are hiring that's number one uh we are looking for robotics uh engineers uh if you have space experience it's even better uh, specifically we're doing uh integration between artificial intelligence and the uh flight systems uh so we are looking for somebody really strong in ros and uh python things like that. Um, if you're interested in, um, uh, this is the reality thing, the reality speech that we kind of get. If you're interested in getting uh, paid low wages <laughs> with upside potential and a great stock option plan, if you are wanting unreasonable deadlines with an amazing community of people that work out of a uh, old mill building on a river in New Hampshire that looks like you would get murdered in, parked outside of it. If that is your cup of tea, if that's your shot of vodka, uh, get on our website, send us an email, send your resume over to hr at rogue.space, and uh, we'd, we'd love to talk to you. Second thing, we are looking for investors. We obviously strongly believe in what we're trying to do and what we're we're trying to accomplish. And um, we think there is a massive upside potential uh, right now. And I would love to explore that uh, with, with pretty much anyone who'd like to. Uh, you can always go into truecrowd.com and uh, invest there. But if you're interested in larger dollar stuff, you know, reach out to me. I'm not hard to find and uh, love to have that conversation. And third thing, I would say is if space is your passion, if that's something you want to do, find a community in the space industry, find somewhere you want to be, get involved, get engaged and, and make it happen is spaces for everybody. And we want, we want, uh, we want to bring everyone together. So yeah, uh, those are my three key things. Amazing. Well, this has been a fun episode. I hope we get to do more episodes about space robots in the future. Yeah, I, I have a feeling we will, honestly. It seems inevitable that space will become a bigger and bigger option for our work and employment. And it looks like investment dollars are streaming in, so we got to keep up. We sure do. All right. Well, until next time, for Michael Saka, this is Mike Belsito, and this was Rocketship.fm. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It is your support that keeps the show going. If you can, take a second and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps out the show so much. We're also part of the Podglomerate Network, and if you'd like to listen to more great shows from the Podglomerate, go to the Podglomerate 
rocketship.com to see the full show listings. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. Go to productcollective.com and get access to our weekly newsletter, live video interviews, Slack community, product job board, and a whole lot more. Again, just go to productcollective.com.